Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Welcome back to More Than Work. I'm really happy this week to bring you someone that I met around 2004 when I was the team captain for Walk MS to benefit the National MS Society back in San Diego. This person has been a mentor to me ever since and a big support of mine. She's currently the chief experience officer at LifeAid Research Institute, Renata Sahagian. How are you doing, Renata? Great. Thanks so much for having me. I can't believe it's that many years that we've known each other. It just flies by. I know. I just, are we, have we even been alive that long? Come on. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, we're too young for that. <laughs> yeah, we met as children. <laughs> Yes, we we lads, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you want to introduce yourself a little bit to the audience? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Renata Sahigian. As uh, Robbie pointed out, I'm the chief experience officer at LifeAid Research Institute. And some people say, well, you know, what does that mean? And uh, we work with uh, vets and first responders in preventing suicide. We work with them and their families and. My position, I think, is a kind of a is the best of both worlds. I create community and family amongst uh, our participants that come to our retreats and our events, but I also work in creating community partnerships and corporate partnerships. Um, and the the best is it, it's pretty much a startup, so it draws on all of my past experiences, and we get to shape and and really form what this uh, nonprofit will be going forward. That's great. And that sounds like a role that you've kind of been evolving into really over time. I mean, you've been a nonprofit for a very long time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in different capacities, though. I mean, I started in nonprofit with the MS Society as a as like some similar to you as a fundraiser, a volunteer. I was the like the quote unquote Mikey of events when they had a new event, they would tell me and I would go and do it. Uh, and I started in 97 with doing that. So uh, and then I evolved to being on staff in 2010. Yeah. So how did that happen? How did you go from volunteering to staff? Mm -hmm. And what was your career leading up to that? Sure. Uh, I was an entrepreneur. I was an importer. I, I speak Mandarin uh, and uh, lived overseas for a while. And so I was an importer. I manufactured and sold uh, to many surf companies and skateboard companies in the San Diego, pretty much California uh, area. And then, you know, with the change in the economy and I was getting more and more involved in the MS Society, I was kind of looking for a change. And it's just so happened that two of the staff were going on pregnancies back to back and they asked if, uh, if I knew anyone, I said, you know, what about me? I, 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 let me give this a whirl. So I talked to my business partner and she was really in favor of it. And she said, well, give it a shot. It's part time, temporary. We can do what we're doing. Um, and that's kind of what started. I never looked back. So, in t you know, you kind of it's funny. You sometimes enter a new world. And then when you you see 
the front of it, right? So we go to events and you see, oh, this is such a great event. And you never get to look behind the curtain, kind of like the Wizard of Oz, right? What's really back there? And then either you you get more involved or you run for the hills because you see what's going on behind the scenes. With me, I, I rotated off in the end of 2010 and I committed to doing 11 events to raise $11,000 in, in 2011. And with that, by the 11th event, I was back on staff full time and uh, I've never looked back since. So I think I, I found my calling. So when you think about fundraising to that level mm-hmm. and it's hard to send out those fundraising emails just as a, someone who's done fundraising, <laughs> and it's hard to ask people for money. Mm-hmm. You've gotten good at it. Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually like it because a lot of people I'm and funny you say that like right now we're, we're growing this nonprofit and a lot of veterans and, and first responders have never been involved in this kind of thing before. And they're like, I don't want to beg for money. I'm begging for money. I'm like, I'm asking people to, you know, give me money. I'm like, okay, you can need to change your mindset. You're not asking for you. It's not like you're out now destitute poor and you're saying, Hey, you know, I, I need a sandwich. Please pay for me. That's not what it is about. You have to take yourself kind of out of the equation. You're supporting this cause that helped you and will help many others to get healthy like you. And that's what you're asking for funds for. Uh, And there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You don't have to put out an email if you don't feel comfortable. Go to your local coffee shop, go to your local place that you go to dinner or go to lunch with and just and ask them if they would mind having a donation jar or have a pint night for you or, you know, because the more you talk about your cause, you're going to find out there's more and more people that are connected to it. For instance, when we're, you know, we're at the MS Society, how many people when you talk to them like, oh, my so-and-so has MS or my blah, blah, blah has MS and you never know it. And they end up being more generous than you would think people are because people by nature are generous and they want to give and they want to help. You just have to figure out the right way to say it and direct them to it. And yeah, be optimistic about people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Don't, don't, I mean, the, the worst thing is to say no for people. You won't know until you try. And even if you, even if you come up against a no, don't, don't take it personally. It might just not, it might just be no for now as we tend to say, I'm not saying like bombard people, but you come up with a different type of opportunity. One of the great ways to raise money if you're an individual is potluck. When people bring, you know, do a dish, they give 20 bucks and then you kind of have a contest as who had the best, you know, potluck dinner or whatever it was that that they donated. Um, Because you look at it, people are going to spend at least about 20 bucks a person to go out to eat and they'll generously give to your potluck with the thing for 20 bucks and they get to eat all this different food and socialize and mingle and mix. And there you go. And then depending on how many people you have, I mean, there's, there's like a hundred to $200 right there and you didn't even think about it. Yeah. And that's just, it's something to just bringing people together to hang out and have a good time. So they're getting something out of it too. Yep. Yep. So I want to circle back to life aid research Institute yeah. And talk about an event that you have coming up on November 7th. Do you want to talk about that? 
Sure. So we we do several events uh, a year. Well, obviously this year it was a little bit of a of a misnomer. However, uh, we did have several events this year despite um, COVID nineteen. And the reason why we did it is our was the crisis and the suicide rate. Uh, I don't know if you know, but the suicide rate amongst vets and first responders has gone up twenty percent this year. That's insane. We already mm-hmm. lose about more than 20 a day. That's an hour. One person every hour Mm. commits suicide. And they were really hurting. The isolation was already wreaking havoc on them with their PTSD or their, or their um, traumatic brain injury. And so we got online and we started doing happy hours and then we started doing town halls. And finally on one of the town halls, uh, Mark Geist, uh, who was a, a soldier at, in Benghazi and he was having a hard time. And he said, well, why don't you guys all come out to Colorado Springs? Well, we all did. <laughs> I think, I don't think he really expected us to take him up on that offer, but we did. And, and, and we were super careful. I mean, these are first responders. They understand the, the seriousness of what we're going through, but they needed this. So we socially distanced and we got together and we had about 15 and we were really cautious and we got home. We made sure we checked everyone. We checked everyone before we got there, you know, temperature checks when we got there. And it was safe. And so we said, okay, well, let's do Bend, Oregon. And so we were there for a week. There were 60 people at that one, and which led us to what we're doing in November. So November 6th through the 12th, we have a retreat for military veterans, first responders, and their families. It's a week-long event. We do rides. We're going to do walks. We're going to be at the beach. It's going to be in Long Beach. It's great. But on the 7th of November, we have a special event called Cycle 20 for Life. We're going to ride from Long Beach down to Newport Beach, which is about 20 miles. And the American Legion is going to be hosting lunch for us, which is really great. And then we will cycle back the remaining remainder um, 20 miles back to Long Beach. And that 20 miles is each way is representing the more than 20 lives lost uh, a day. When you think about it, if the event will overall take about three to four hours, that's that's four people we've lost in mm-hmm. that span of time. So it's it's really serious, and it's just it's just growing, especially due to the isolation and uh, and and uh, it, it's just heartbreaking to hear some of their stories. Yeah, so. and. I think suicide's definitely one of those things that's considered preventable mm-hmm. if you if the person was able to oh, have yeah. some sort of connection even mm-hmm. moments before. There was a big story in the New Yorker a while back that I've thought about many many times over the years and I met a singer who wrote a song about it but like the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge is a mm-hmm. spot where a lot of people yeah. will take their life. And this park ranger would save people's lives by just asking them, what are your plans tomorrow? Right. Exactly. And it was that simple, but it's Mm -hmm. just, you're right with the isolation and maybe, you know, when someone's in a state of depression or angst or trauma Mm -hmm. or something, they're not going to be able to always reach out. And so, Exactly. Or know where to go or yeah. know how to deal with the shame of it. All these things, right, that oh, yeah. occur. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Yeah. I think the pride the pride aspect of it is, is huge and, and not and and being humble enough, I think, to to 
reach out or know you have a problem. I mean, it, it, there's a combination. And sometimes, um, especially we, we deal with the technology behind. So we, when some, when people come to our retreats, they don't, I mean, it's great. The bonding's amazing, but we also have a medical side of it. We do EEGs and they're cute EEGs uh, on, on every participant that comes because I think a lot of times they know there's something wrong with them, but they can't see it. So when they go to the doctor or they go to the VA or wherever they go, they, are, are, are told quite around, it's all in your head. I mean, how many times you've, you've heard that? And then they give them prescription. Some of these heroes have are on 16, 17 medications, eight medications, and they interfere with each other, which even makes them more depressed or more, you know, they have foggy head or they can't think straight or they, but they know they're wrong or they're quick to anger because they have anxiety. And um, so a lot of them are separated from their spouses and their kids. And so when we get them and we can get them to these retreats and we do these EEGs and we show them what, what, where the, you can actually see where the trauma is. And that alone half the time is, is more than half the battle. They finally get to see, yes, there really truly is something medically wrong with me. And now we start their healing. We do hyperbaric therapy. We do, uh, uh, infrared sauna, like depending on what, what their, what their symptoms are and where the, um, the injury is, we have different, uh, therapies for them. And it's also including the yoga and the meditation, the eating, right? Nutrition's a big factor. Uh, and the stories that we have, um, of saving their lives is, is tremendous. We also have a WhatsApp group that they are in this thing goes 24 7 dinging all the time and and them connecting because they know if they're having a bad day they just say something or a bad night there's somebody always there which is great uh and then obviously we have our like i said our town halls that kind of morphed out of those whatsapps because they needed really to see each other and that's and then when we first started them they were great we, and then we would do you know a uh, a potluck. What are you making tonight? You know, and we just all sit around eating dinner together via Google Hangouts. Um, and some of the vets on um, when we were in Colorado said, if it if it wasn't for our happy hours, they don't know if they'd be there at this at this event. I mean, that just that crushes me. These are amazing people, families businessmen, businesswomen, uh, you know, if you just looked at them, you'd think they were, had all their ducks in a row and they were living their best lives. And so, you know, you just, you just don't know what looks behind. Yeah. Well, so I think for you, it has to be apparent that your job is making an impact and truly mm -hmm. saving lives. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of times in software development, for example, where I spend <laughs> a lot of my time, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be said that we're not saving lives. Like sometimes people will get overworked and then the whole statement is, well, we're not saving lives. Like we, we can stop. You are. But well, it depends <laughs> on what site you're building. Right. Right. Uh, sometimes true. we are, but when you're truly are, when your job truly mm -hmm. is related to a life, how do you find work-life balance? What do you do? I ride my bike a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, Robbie, I've always been this way. Like I've always been very fortunate to derive enjoyment out of 
organizing these rides, being out on those training rides. It holds me accountable, right? It makes me that much healthier and not dwelling on the isolation. I get out there and I do. In fact, I feel very lost if I don't have a ride on a weekend that's, you know, with a bunch of guys or women or whoever going out there and, and riding. Um, and I'm sure my husband's happy to make sure I get out there. <laughs> Otherwise I'm cleaning the house and making him do things. So, uh, but it, it is hard. I, I do find time like this past weekend, I hung out with a bunch of girlfriends and we went away for the weekend. And, um, but you know, my phone's always kind of there, but I also let them all know, Hey, this is where I'm going to be. And, and they're, I would say if, if, if you explain, they know you need your mental break as well. And they're pretty re respectful of it. Um, but that's in, and they in, tend to end up relying on each other and really giving them each other that support, which I think peer to peer. I've always peer to peer sometimes is so much more valuable than than organization to, let's say, participant uh, mm -hmm. in the MS society. I mean, how many times you and I, we go out, right? We talk to these companies and they would much rather hear from someone like you than me lecturing, blah, 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 <laughs> from the organization. So it's kind of the same way. It's like peer to peer mentoring and being mm -hmm. that support. You know, obviously we're here guiding and we're going to, I'm going to tell you about our event and stuff, but, but it comes from within them. And I think that makes them that much stronger in the long run. Yeah. Well, and, I guess one thing I probably just wondered anyway, and not just for a podcast for this, but is, you know, how do you, how do you choose where to work? Because mm. in your kind of work, and I'm making an assumption here, which you can correct, <laughs> I would think that you do become attached to people that you're doing the work, say, for, meaning yes. the people yeah. who you're benefiting, and then also you have a boss and stuff, but right. the people you're doing the work for and the cause, and you... Sure. You know, everyone has that where if something has yeah. affected them personally, it's it's greater. Yeah. And so how how did you maybe come to this place? But even the last few jobs, like how do you decide where to where to work? Um, I have to feel it in my gut. I think I go by my gut. Uh, that it's weird when I was in the uh, when I worked my, my whole pretty much everything I've done, even when I own my own business. If I didn't feel it right in my gut to work with a factory. I didn't work with them. Same thing with the customer or client. I don't really care like how big they were and what the order was. If something didn't feel right in my gut, chances are what for me, it wasn't going to be right down mm -hmm. the road. So when I got involved with the MS Society, I mean, yeah, my mom has MS. My mom has Crohn's. Um, and the more I got involved in it, the more uh, I, I gravitated to the bike MS more so than the walks because I just felt I resonated better with um that type A personality <laughs> for corporate executives that to bike MS. And I'm painting a really broad picture, but for the most part, the, the fundraising and the drive for them to su succeed and be that number one fundraiser really like resonated with me. Um, that type A, I've, I've been known to be called that in my life. But, uh, <laughs> but the cause, it has to be there. The passion uh, to see the impact we are making. I mean, all those medications that came about. I mean, when my mom was diagnosed, there wasn't anything. And then she was diagnosed at 19. My mom's 80 now, right? So she was a test subject for one of the medications. And then from that point on, from like 94 to 95, I think we have like 17 or 18 medications now for MS, which is 
huge. So you can see that. You can see how jazz people also are in the office to work and make a better life. And the and and the response back that you get from from the participants. When I went to the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, um, for me, the cause is amazing. The strides they're making is incredible. The dedication that they have is unbelievable. I just think I wasn't in the right role. I need to be that more of that hands-on person. Mm -hmm. And I just felt as a, as a, um, the executive director, I, I wasn't, I, I was really close with the team, the, my staff, and we, and we went out and we really made a difference. We grew the chapter. We did all, all this. But I was just a little too, I think, far removed uh, from really making that person-to-person -person impact. And I was looking to get back down to San Diego. I was up in San Francisco at the time. And, and my mm -hmm. family you know, comes, comes first. As I said, my mom and my dad are, are not spring chickens anymore. And so I came back down. But while I was there, the, the founder of... Life Aid and I have known each other for about five years, and I've always had uh, a soft spot in my heart for um, people who serve in whatever capacity they serve, whether it's uh, EMTs, law enforcement, whether it's uh, veterans, and and um, seeing that suicide rate being more prevalent nowadays coming to the surface, and and there was cycling involved, which I have to say probably. Uh, Jazz me as well because of bike MS and uh, I just I said yeah so then I started getting involved it, it's definitely like I said combines the best best of both worlds it is a startup we really started this or John started this in in 2019 in, uh, in May and okay. uh, it, it combines my entrepreneurial skills and the things that I love to do and getting on the ground floor and building something with the development of the corporate corporate partnerships. And I say partnerships over sponsorship because it is going to be a partnership, hopefully for a long term. And it's not just transactional one time shot deal mm -hmm. and, and growing. And I think that's really what it is. And in my gut, I knew this is right for me. And I feel like it's going to be, I've seen huge strides that we've been making just in this past horrible year that everyone's been having, um, yeah. which is, which is really tremendous. So uh, I, I, I love what I do. How And the funny thing is, I'm still supporting MS. I mean, no matter how you look at it, yeah. I'm always going to have one foot in the door and still support. I go out on rides with the teams. I'm going to be doing, I'll give it a plug, next, next weekend is the 17th. It's Bike MS Inside Out. I'm still mm -hmm. going to be riding in that. In fact, the founder, John, called, called me like last week. He's like, okay, what are we doing for that? So he's now supporting too because, you know, I think it's very close-minded and short-sighted to think that it, someone's supporting your cause and only your cause, and they're not doing anything else. People do a lot of different events. They do a lot of different causes they support. Why not bridge them all together and and have, and support many? Because in the long run, it's going to just make you that much big, bigger and greater of a person. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. So, yeah, that's good. Because that was one question I was going to ask, too, is just yeah. about how you – you know, you fully dedicate yourself to the cause for which you're employed, mm -hmm. but then you have other parts of you that are dedicated to other things. And I do yeah. think that there is this myopic thing that happens to people where they just focus on one thing. It's like, well, I'm dedicated to yeah. this, so I can't do that. Yeah. And I feel like that happens in work. And that's one reason I'm doing this podcast is to yeah. show people you can work in a job 
-hmm. And then if that job has Mm -hmm. meaning and reflects your values, like the job you're in, right, great, but you still need to have balance outside of it. And so, right. So you're doing that bike MS, even Mm -hmm. though you also have this uh, cycle 20 for life going and you can be dedicated to both. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I think, I think that would make someone a well-rounded person. You can't just, and then, and think about it, Robbie, like, like if I did that, like what I might not even be here talking to you right now. Right. Because mm-hmm. you can't just cut these people out of your life just because you're not involved in, in working in that nonprofit that causes those people. They're still going to matter to you. They're, they're huge, still a huge part of my life mm-hmm. always will be. And the cause will be, um, you know, my, one of my best closest friends passed away from cancer uh, last year. It was horrible. And the UCR cancer challenge was this past Saturday. I didn't ride because it was virtual, but like I helped fundraise for it and, and made a difference. And the person who's the executive director of that was my former boss at MS. So, you know, supporting that. So there's there, you can be well-rounded and still work and support your own cause. And, uh, you know, when we used to do training rides, I used to bring in all sorts of different um, nonprofits. We had uh, diabetes, the uh, arthritis ride, and we just all got together and we do these 200 person training rides for all of them. And we would get some more people for bike MS. They would get some people for their events. And, you know, I just it just evens out in the wash at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Do you. I think it's a very unusual way of looking at it, to be honest with you. That is not the norm in the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very myopic, like you say. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, I think, just because I've known people who cut ties with an organization and all of a sudden everything's gone. But for me, that would be hard because uh-huh. I think being a more emotional person than that, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't be able to yeah. do that, I don't think. I mean, look, you, we both did Shatterproof. Yeah, Right. Yeah. I I was rappelling down the uh, (laughs) JW Marriott in LA and, and I saw you and your family and, you know, you just, you do it. You do, you know, you give back into society in a lot of different ways because it Mm -hmm. comes back to you eventually, if not right away. Yeah. And do you feel like when you were doing your own, you had your own business and you Mm -hmm. were doing that, were you already involved other than in MS society that you'd eventually worked with, but did you ever feel when you were doing that, that you were being called to do something else or did it not kind of dawn on you until you were doing it? Meaning like when I, so I've always been involved in service. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I was a kid when I was a kid, I was in like the, the, uh, well, I got kicked out of the brownies, but that's a different story. I did Um, too. Actually (laughs) I did too. So, and I, I don't think uniform, that's bad, but I don't know why you got kicked out. I wouldn't wear the uniform. So I've I just, always had that issue. <laughs> I do want to tell you why, just because it's so, I don't even know if I was kicked out, but my mom took me out because I was at a sleepover uh-huh. and it was a swim party uh-huh. and there was a sheet cake, you know, uh-huh. like a sheet cake. But for some reason they used, I'm not kidding. They used <laughs> blue toothpaste for the water on the pool cake. Oh, no. And I just didn't have to go there anymore. And I don't even know if I remember that correctly, but that's how I remember it. Uh, so if my mom <laughs> listens to this, she can comment somewhere, I guess. But and I just I hated it. I And I hated yeah. the uniform. Yeah. 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 I was not yeah. a uniform person. I always kind of 
wet beat to my own drum kind of kind of deal. Um, but I was involved in the key club, which mm-hmm. is right, and that's for youth. And then when I uh, got into college, I was part of Alpha Phi Omega, which is the service fraternity. Okay. And it was you know soup kitchens, working with uh, you know in a battered women's shelter, like all. And so I, in some form or other, I, I was always connected to doing something service. I mean, even when I was, had my own business, uh, I, and I was in India for some of our, so I always made sure like I, I connected with the people who were the people that I was working with, who are the factory people. I went in uh, funny story. I, like when I was in uh, Taiwan um, and I was living there and, and an order came in to do these pins for the Olympics or whatever it was. Um, and I knew we were running sh- short on time. I went and worked in the factory. I sat next to these women squirting those that ink into the little pins <laughs> and in the middle. It was the night shift overnight. And I go and do my work because the order had to get done. But I got to know these people and what made mm-hmm. them tick and really got to connect. I think that's really what I loved most about the job was really connecting with people. And that's always been my my thing. And when it wasn't fun anymore and it wasn't um it 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 became um i I don't know it's when the economy changed it it, i don't i hate saying the word it wasn't fun anymore because Mm -hmm. i always look at business you gotta have some sort of fun in what you're doing right you gotta you gotta derive enjoyment out of it and it wasn't and uh, and then, like I said, I was working, I was helping out with the MS society, but you know, I was also doing other things and that one just was the one that resonated the most with me. And that's how, how come I switch, um, at that point in time. But, um, yeah, I have always, always been connected somehow to giving back yeah. and service. And when you went, I want to think about what someone might, maybe someone at home or mm-hmm. wherever they're listening to this, right. Might be thinking about, yeah, I'm doing something and I'm, I want to make a change in my career. Mm-hmm. Do, what did anything scare you about doing that? No, you know, I think if I went the reverse, it would have because then it wasn't mm-hmm. like a steady paycheck, so to speak, right? Because you know, when you're an, when I was an importer, I went from you know job to job or order to order, and and uh, and I had a a business partner. I think that that kind of helped, and so she took on the business after, after I left, but it was, it was kind of new. I'll tell you what, what scared me the most was going into a corporate and quote unquote corporate environment, like sitting in an office with (laughs) other people. Like I worked in, I had in my own office, I did my own thing. I, I answered to myself. If I wanted to work, I worked. If I wanted to blow off the afternoon and go to the beach, I could, or work from my phone or do whatever. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden now I'm in like a, an environment where I got to be pretty much be there nine to five, if you want to call it that. I mean, nonprofits a little different because you're going to go out and see people a little bit more flexible, but uh, especially in the role I was in. But yeah, it was, I had like the, 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 the structure, the core. And so my partner, business partner said to me, she's like, well, how, I don't know if you're going to really like this, you know, you know, in the office had just come out around that time, the show. And she, I don't know if you're going to like really enjoy it. And so then I was like waiting. I was waiting for like the the gossip and the clicks and all. Of, and I got to say, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I lasted as long as I did. There wasn't any of that. Uh, and maybe it was unusual. Maybe it was different. But to this day, there's only one person, uh, sorry, three people still left at the Emma Society kind of chapter that 
when I started there in like 97 or 2010 or however you want to mm -hmm. look at it, it's still there. However, we have a Facebook group of the still all of us to this day. And we consider ourselves the MS alumni family. And right. we are there. We if someone's out of out of a job, we all pull together to figure out like, okay, what's available. Let's, you know, recommend this person or, and we pulled together. I mean, when we went to um, Jessica's memorial service, mm -hmm. there were like 50 of us there. We were super, we're all still, still super, super close. And mm -hmm. that says a lot about a, a work environment that it really isn't a work environment. It's a family it really is. So I was yeah. really lucky that that's where I landed. Um, I don't know if it would be that, but I would like to think it is still. I think uh, it's kind of unique. Nonprofits a little bit different, I think, than just going into a typical corporate environment um, because there is that human aspect of doing good for people in it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think at that time, I have a lot of friends from the early part of my career, from mm -hmm. like 2002 to 2008 or 10, something like that, whenever I – your left pro the flowers first, days? My pro flowers days, yeah. <laughs> but one thing there that was unique was the fact that they did a lot of, as you know, community yep. outreach and corporate yep. uh, citizenship and stuff like that. And so I think that was unique. And I do think having a common goal like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. helps. And they were able to support different causes too. And so I think to your mm -hmm. earlier point, but it it is, it's different. And yep places that I've worked where they don't do that as much. Uh, it's, it's, there was one place in New York where I worked where it was just kind of vapid. I mean, it was just, we're mm -hmm. just there to make money and that's yeah. it everywhere yeah. else, including where I am now, there's some connection between people. That's fantastic. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. I, I think to piggyback on what you're saying is one of the reasons I push so hard for corporate partnerships is exactly what you're talking about especially nowadays where corporate culture is so important to a reason why someone will choose to work at a, at a company versus mm -hmm. another company. And some of our biggest and best teams that would do bike MS or that even support life aid um, are these corporate teams and they rally. I mean, they'll have like hundred, 200 person teams but it makes it uh, people they wouldn't even ever know. For instance, Westcom Credit Union here in, in Orange County in L.A., they have branches mm -hmm. everywhere. These people wouldn't know each other from a hole in the wall. But when they all got together to do training rides, to get together to do the actual event, they got to meet their counterparts from all over the county and, and cross county and down in Florida. And, and they're like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Disney's a, another great example. I mean, they have, you know, they would people would fly in from Florida and these cast members, you know, they only know their, their little surroundings, but now they get to, it breaks the barrier between, you know, your boss and your boss's boss and you, because, you know, spandex is the great equalizer and, <laughs> and no one looks good in it. <laughs> and, and so you're now you're out training with someone that you never would even have FaceTime with because, you know, in the corporate structure and environment, you never would have the opportunity to, but now mm -hmm. you're cycling right along next to someone and they're giving back to a cause that, you know, maybe you're, you didn't know anything about. And then you come to find out that someone that you've been working with this entire time has that disease or has, a, you know, her mother's struggling with it or whatever. So, so it, it, it really makes a difference in the corporate environment for that, for their, their, 
executive leadership team to make that decision to, to go and support a, a cause, whatever the cause is, it doesn't matter. And to do whatever it is, whether it's a 5K walk, a run, a ride, it doesn't really matter. The good thing about the cycling portion of it, though, is that there's a long lead up before the mm-hmm. event, which is a lot of training rides and, and camaraderie. So you do have that better building process along before the actual event. Whereas if it's like a 5K or a walk, you don't quite have that because there's not really that training aspect to it. But it doesn't really matter in the long run as long as, you know, there's something that gets people outside of work to see them outside of work doing mm-hmm. something fun, building houses, doing whatever. It all makes a difference. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Do you have any advice that you just were given at one point that you've found that you pass along to others or a mantra that you tell yourself either way, but, uh, I would, I would tell anyone life's too short and you, if you feel that you're not in the right spot where you should be change it's going to be for the better. It might not be the, the very next thing you do is going to be the one that brings you the, the happiness. Or the but don't stop until you find that one that clicks and you're like, aha, this is what I was meant to do. Because for me, yeah, I was quote unquote happy in do, doing what I was doing when till it didn't get happy and I was miserable and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I took a chance and, um, and it clicked. And in fact, it didn't, I loved what I was doing, but it wasn't until I evolved into the bike MS that I really like clicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I'm, I'm good at. And I found my niche. And I guess I said, I, you, you, life's too short to go through it. Miserable change, 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 change. Do not be afraid to change. Um, it'll, it, it'll might be scary at first, but have your good support. Um, tell, tell people, uh, and keep your, your good, your, your core group of people, that you have t- tight and close because they'll be supporting you. Um, and I mean, that, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, you've got to be happy in life. You have mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And we spend so much time doing certain things. So we might as well be doing the things yeah. that are bringing, giving something to us too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. No, that's great advice. I, I already yeah. hear the podcast title. So I already know <laughs> what we've got from that. It's <laughs> <I know. laughs> great. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so one thing. Oh yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I'm proud. I'm proud of the work we're doing. Um, and, uh, I, I think, um, you know, making an impact and leaving the, the world a little bit of a better place than when you found it is, is huge. I agree a hundred percent. And that's why one reason I wanted to talk to you because <laughs> I think you've, you've done that. I know at least in, in the small part of the world I'm occupying, mm-hmm. So I have something called the fun five and they're just kind of questions that aren't that I think are fun. So I don't know. I don't know if everyone thinks they're fun. We'll see. All right. So what is the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? The oldest t-shirt I have is from when I was a freshman, a freshman in college. Yeah. It's a Georgetown university t-shirt. It's very plain. It's gray with this like, Georgetown University lettering, block lettering, mm-hmm. and it's like that fuzzy a little bit how they used to do it back in the day. Yeah, that's probably my oldest T-shirt I have. Yeah, great. Everyone, it's I. Everyone has one. Yeah, you know <laughs> that's what I like about it. <laughs> All right. So one thing people are saying during 2020 
is that it's like Groundhog's Day. Yeah. All right. So if it was really Groundhog's Day mm-hmm. and you had to wake up to the same song on your alarm every morning, Ooh. knowing that you're going to want to stop the song at some point, like, you know, we had I Got You Babe in the movie. Uh, what song would it be? Oh, man, that's a hard one. <laughs> wow. Ooh. I don't know. I, I I like my. I don't know if I should go like in the punk direction, or should I go in like the old standby of like Rod Stewart. Like every picture tells a story. The whole oh. album, great album, Desert Island Disc. But then there's also like, I God, I don't know. How do you come up with these questions? Um, I would <laughs> say. Well, what's yours? I want to know yours first. I So I just did the first episode and I interviewed myself just to introduce the pe- people to who mm-hmm. I am. And so my answer there was Honky Cat by Elton John because I think it starts out kind of fun. Dude, and, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that. But I also know I might be sacrificing that song, which is really sad because at some point I'll hate it, right? Because yeah. it's every day. Yeah, yeah. So then I was thinking about other songs too, but that's one of them, but I would like something that starts out really cool musically, you know, hmm. um, or like yeah. seven nation army, I think would have yeah, been a good answer that's too. That's a great one. That's Cause you can kind of just so good. bounce yourself mm-hmm. awake and maybe mm-hmm. stretch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good one. Yeah. Super good one. The bass. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Um, I, th- I think it might be Maggie, Maggie by, uh, Rod Stewart, Maggie, Maggie, yeah. Maggie. Yeah. Because that yeah. starts off with a mandolin kind of in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, you kind of, and it says, wake up Maggie, right? So it does like, right at the right, start, right at the start. You're good to go. So as long as, you know, just wake me up and call me Maggie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Never said that before, but you know. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, All right. He was Rod my Stewart. crush growing up. Yeah. I had a big poster of him. You know, my age, they pro- people were probably into like the boy bands or whatever they were. I, I was an old, I loved Rod, like biggest mm-hmm. crush on Rod Stewart. Huge. That song, that album, still Desert Island Disc by far. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Oh, well, I like that. I like that answer. Yeah, I, I would. Me with a mohawk listening to Rod. Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a really good visual. <laughs> no, it's good. Like if I'm ever a house guest, I'll be happy. I'll just hear <laughs> that. Come on. Um, all right. Now, next question: Coffee or tea or neither? Coffee. Coffee. Lots and lots and lots of coffee. Black. Great. That's how I take mine too. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When was the last time you laughed so hard you cried or just couldn't stop laughing? The last time you remember. This past weekend, we laughed so hard. It was Friday night. We were playing that game LCR. I don't know if you've ever played it. Uh -uh. Left, right, center. I encourage every single person listening to go out and buy it. it. It is hilarious. It's stupid and easy. And you put your $3 down, and then if you roll an L, you pass the dollar to your left, you know, right, and you put one in the mm-hmm. center. Played it like, with um, six of my closest friends in life. We've been friends. We've done this 
uh, group, uh, we call ourselves the hot mamas, even though only one of us is a mother, (laughs) but it's always been our, our name. We've been together since 1997. We're all the same age, but we've never, we've met randomly, not through school or anything. And we try to get away at probably like two times a year. This we were supposed to be in Puerto Vallarta and we weren't. So we went Mm. to one of my friends, uh, places at the, the river, my like first time at the river. The river, I, the Colorado River, somewhere in Arizona, is where mm-hmm. we were, and uh, it was late at night. You know, there, we had had a few drinks in us, and we just—I <laughs> don't know—you get silly, and te- I mean, tears, tears, stomachs felt like I'd worked out my abs for like a week. Awesome! I give it like everyone should do that once a month at least, if not more. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's so probably the most work I do on my abs is like laughing. Laugh. You yes. Know? Yeah. So yes. good thing. Good yes. thing I laugh a lot. Me too. <laughs> abs of steel we have. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> eight minute laugh abs. <laughs> so the last of the fun five, who inspires you right now? Well, would it be corny to say my parents? <laughs> no, I think that's great. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say my parents, my parents have been married 56 years, um, super dedicated, uh, to each other. Um, like I said, my mom has MS and Crohn's, but you would never know it. She's a fighter. Not a day goes by that she, uh, probably doesn't have some sort of pain. Um, but, uh, trooper, they watch my niece and nephews all the time. Um, super dedicated to family and they are the funnest people to be around. Talk about laughing so you can't any breathe. That that's my parents, and uh, they're silly, and they're still silly. And yet, my dad will come over to our house and fix all our sprinklers at 80 years old. And um, I hope in life that I get to be like them, or that I have the marriage that they have all those years later with my husband. So yeah, I would say true inspiration, especially during this time. Uh, that we're going through to still find laughter and joy in life is huge. Great. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So thank you for going through the fun five with me. Oh yeah. This, these were fun fives. Good. I'm glad they're fun. All right. So do you want to promote anything right now at the end or just. just yeah. I really want. If, yeah. A couple of things. One, um, they can go to our website, um, lifeaidhope.org like any other nonprofit, we're, you know, hurting this, this year, especially, especially this was supposed to be like our big launch year. Uh, yeah, that got curtailed. Um, if they can't, uh, if you go to the lifeaidhope.org, they can donate. Or if they scroll to the events tab, they could uh, pick either the retreat or they can come and do the ride if they're local to uh, LA or Orange County, um, or if they want to donate to that actual event to help us put the event on, that would be awesome. Um, if they work somewhere and they want to get their company involved with us, they can do that too. And the other thing is, um, in in on that website as well, there's an uh, option to get connected with us where they can join our WhatsApp group if they are so inclined. So then you just click through a button, and, and uh, it's pretty easy. Self. So pretty intuitive website 
So we try to make it pretty easy for everyone. But uh, I think that's great. And I think if people also on there um, on the landing page has a link to our documentary that aired on Discovery Channel so they can learn a little bit more about the science behind what we do and why we do it and how important healthy um, brains and keeping brain health mm -hmm. top and, uh, and foremost in our lives it are is and what what contributes to it. Okay. Well, thank you. And most of those links should be in the show notes too. Mm -hmm. So Renata, I really appreciate you joining me on more Yay. than work. It was, Yay. it was great to chat with you and I know really learn more about what's driven you this whole time and what's driving you now. So thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And uh, I just wish we lived closer. So I, I, get to I know it's far now. I know it's kind of hard, but, uh, but you know, there's a good thing about social media. Sometimes there's a lot of bad about it, but there's a lot of good because people never feel that they're that far away. So yeah, exactly. Well, thanks yeah. so much. Thank you. Thanks for all what you're doing too. Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Meckie is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. Or visit our website at RobbiaSaid.com. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. We'll be back next week with another guest. In the meantime, while being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself.